Hey there, lovely listeners. Welcome to episode eight of the Wind Moon Magic podcast. Before we dive into today's topic, I want to share some news. As I gear up for the school year, the podcast will be transitioning from a weekly schedule to a monthly one. You see, I homeschool my son. He's in fifth grade this year. So come mid-August, my time won't be as flexible as it used to be. But hey, I've had such a blast with these weekly episodes. Who knows? Maybe I'll be back to the weekly schedule next summer. Also, mark your calendar. Releasing on August 15th, Embracing Local Magic, is a seven-part course designed to help you connect deeply with the natural world and tap into the energies of your local landscape. During this immersive online course, I'll cover a wide array of topics ranging from herbalism, working with land spirits, harnessing the extraordinary power of the weather. You'll really lay a solid foundation for a potent and personalized magic practice that resonates with your environment and connects you with the energies that permeate it. This course is only available with Inner Circle membership. If you're already a member, you'll automatically receive the daily email and course content. You can join the Inner Circle, my online membership program at windmoonmagic.com. For just $11 a month, you'll receive access to exclusive content direct from me, including monthly content bundles, dozens of online courses, quarterly intensives on witchcraft and magic, as well as an ever-expanding library of spells, rituals, and herbal concoctions. Okay, let's get on with the podcast. In this episode, I'm thrilled to explore the world of divination with you. Now, when it comes to divination, there are countless forms, some more popular than others. Today, I'll be focusing on three that I regularly engage in and have personal experience with, tarot, runes, and the art of mere scrying. But first things first, let's talk about what divination actually is. Think of it as tapping into the cosmic hotline to gain insights and guidance from the universe itself. Divination is the practice of seeking guidance from the spiritual or the mystical realms through various methods. It's the art of seeking answers and knowledge about the future or the unknown. There are a lot of forms of divination, each with its own unique techniques and tools. Some popular forms include tarot, which we'll talk about today. This is using a deck of cards with symbolic images and archetypes to gain insights and guidance on various aspects of life. Runes where we cast or draw alphabet symbols and interpret messages based on how they fall next to each other. Astrology, studying the positions and movements of various celestial bodies. This allows us to gain insight into a person's personality, events, influences that are going to affect them. Scrying, which is gazing into reflective surfaces generally, like mirrors or water, to receive visions or messages from beyond the physical world. There's pendulum divination, where we use a weighted object, it could be metal or stone, even wood, to answer yes or no questions generally through the subtle movements. Numerology is studying the significance of numbers and their relationship to interpret meaning. Palmistry, Reading the lines and features of the palm of the hand helps us understand personality traits and potential life events. And then there's tea leaf reading, tassiography, I think I said that right, interpreting patterns formed by tea leaves in a cup. You can also use coffee grounds. And dowsing, 
When I was a kid, dowsing was a really big thing where I grew up to find wells or where to dig wells, to find water for wells. Dowsing involves the use of a dowsing rod or sometimes a pendulum to locate water, minerals, could be dowsing for gold or other objects. There are so many forms of divination. The practice of divination has roots and cultures from all around the globe, and it's been part of humanity's journey since time immemorial. In the past, diviners and oracles held sacred roles in their societies. They were admired for their ability to bridge the gap between the earthly and the unseen realms. You've undoubtedly heard of the Oracle of Delphi, but did you know that it was founded by Gaia? Gaia was the personification of Mother Earth herself, the nurturing force that gave life to all living beings. She watched over the world with love and care, and her connection with nature was unparalleled. Gaia decided to take matters into her own hands. Drawing from her deep connection to the earth and its energies, she chose a sacred site nestled on the slopes of Mount Parnaeus. This special place was known as Delphi, and it held a powerful energy that resonated with the power of divination. The earth beneath the site seemed to hum with an ancient wisdom, and the air carried whispers of the divine. It was a place where the boundaries between the mortal world and the celestial realms blurred. Next, Gaia reached out to a nymph who already possessed a deep connection to magic to act as a conduit, a vessel for her divine messages. Gaia bestowed her blessings upon the nymph and infused her with even greater power, empowering her to become the Oracle of Delphi. From that moment on, the Oracle of Delphi became a sacred institution where mortals from all corners of the world journeyed to seek counsel and wisdom. The Oracle would enter a trance-like state, connecting with the energies of Gaia and Delphi, and offer prophetic guidance to those who sought her advice. Under the watchful eye of Gaia, the Oracle of Delphi flourished, becoming a beacon of light and wisdom in ancient Greece. It was a place where the mortal and divine realms met, and where seekers could find answers to their most profound questions. But the eyes of the Olympian gods were drawn to the magic of Delphi, and eventually Gaia withdrew her presence from the site. But the oracle stayed on, continuing to offer guidance as best she could. Apollo moved into the void left by Gaia and began overseeing the oracle's prophecies. The oracle became Apollo's mouthpiece. The Roman Empire eventually destroyed the site and the long tradition of the oracles. The heart of divination lies in accessing information beyond our ordinary senses. It's like peeking behind the curtain and delving into the unseen energies that shape our lives. And what's even more intriguing is that each form of divination accesses answers in its own unique way, drawing from different sources. So grab your favorite divination tool, whether it's tarot cards, runes, or anything else, and let's embark on this magical journey together, seeking truths beyond the mundane. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's start with tarot and oracle cards. Tarot decks are a treasure trove of symbolism and meaning, with each of the 78 cards holding its own unique significance. The tarot deck is divided into the major arcana, representing major life events, and the minor arcana, reflecting more like the day-to-day experiences. The earliest known tarot cards were actually created in the mid-15th century in northern Italy. These cards were primarily used for playing games rather than divination at that time. But they gained popularity, and it was in the 18th century that the tarot deck started to become a tool for divination and esoteric practices. 
It was during this time that French occultists and mystics began to associate deeper mystical meanings and symbolism with the tarot cards. They believed that the tarot contained hidden wisdom and ancient knowledge that could be unlocked through study. In the 19th and 20th centuries, interest in the tarot continued to grow as various occult and esoteric societies, such as the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, embraced the tarot as a powerful tool for spiritual insight and self-discovery. Members of these societies developed elaborate systems of tarot symbolism and interpretation, which contributed to the richness of meanings associated with the cards. It's important to note that while the tarot deck has roots in these historical developments, some of its symbols and imagery can be traced back even further, back to ancient civilizations. Some scholars have suggested links to ancient Egypt, the Jewish Kabbalah, and even Eastern mysticism. Over time, the tarot deck has evolved into the widely recognizable 78-card deck consisting of the Major and the Minor Arcana. On the other hand, oracle cards have a more recent history compared to tarot. They come in various decks, each with its own theme and message. Unlike tarot cards, oracle cards don't follow such strict rules, which gives the reader more freedom in interpretation. They act as gentle and intuitive guides, offering wisdom and inspiration from the universe. When you lay out the cards for a reading, there's a dance that happens between your intuition on the one hand and your knowledge of the card's meanings on the other. This is true for both tarot and oracle cards. This allows you to interpret the messages that unfold before you. An important thing to remember here is that the cards are a reflection of you. They're showing you aspects of yourself that might not otherwise be seen, that would remain hidden. It's not often in tarot or oracle readings that external forces are trying to reach you, unless you specifically invite them in. So if you're nervous about working with entities from beyond the veil, tarot and oracle cards are a great option. One of my daily witchy practices is a morning card draw. Some days I use traditional tarot cards, and other days I go for one of my many oracle decks, depending on my mood. I usually pull three cards while invoking past, present, future, body, mind, and soul. Three cards to guide my day, three cards to show the way. It's a really quick, easy way to get daily guidance, and I make sure to record the cards and my thoughts about them in my Book of Shadows. Now, when I'm facing tough decisions or seeking really specific guidance, even as part of ritual, I opt for larger spreads. For instance, I always do a special reading for each Sabbath on the wheel of the year. It's a beautiful way to align myself with the energies of the season and to do a little divination for what lies ahead. One of my favorite ways to connect with the tarot cards is by having a conversation with them. It's simple, really. I just hold the cleansed deck in my hands and I ask a question. And then I open the deck like a book and I see what card is revealed. And then I ask another question and open to a new page, continuing the conversation until I feel clarity on the matter. It's a really powerful way to talk through a problem, to seek guidance, or even to gain a broader perspective on life's big mysteries. I prefer to keep my card reading personal only for myself. And there's a special reason behind that, but we'll save that discussion for later. So there you have it. Tarot and oracle cards, two magical tools that never cease to amaze me. All right, let's touch on the runes. Remember, I covered these ancient letters in depth in a previous episode. I believe it was episode four. So if you're hungry for really getting into the details and a much deeper dive, go check that out. Runes have their roots in Norse and Germanic culture, and they hold so much wisdom and so much magical power. These little symbols are often used for divination, guidance, and protection magic. 
Now, I won't lie, learning and interpreting the runes can be a bit tricky at first, but trust me, it's absolutely worth the effort to learn them. To perform a rune reading, you'll need to draw a set of runes and interpret their meaning in relation to a question or situation. There's a couple of ways you can do this. Either draw an individual rune from a bag or a bowl, or go wild and draw a handful and then gently scatter them across a work surface. Now, working with the runes is a unique experience because it's like working with a magical entity. So remember, the tarot and the oracle cards reflect us. It's our interpretation. But the runes, the runes, they carry their own energy and their own magic separate from the person casting them. This can sometimes make interpretation a little bit tricky or even frustrating, but hey, it also adds an element of surprise and fun to the process. You never know what secrets they'll reveal. I mostly use my runes within ritual magic, and I always create a sacred space by casting a circle, and I make sure to ward when I use the runes. It just adds an extra layer of intention and, most importantly, protection to the whole experience. Now, let's talk about scrying. I've had so many questions about my practice with scrying since I mentioned it in a previous episode. So let's talk about scrying. Scrying is usually gazing into reflective surfaces or looking at translucent mediums to receive visions and messages from beyond the veil and from other realms. For me, it's a really powerful way to connect with my ancestors and to work with the Fae. It's actually my favorite divination practice, and frankly, it's the most magical in its feeling. Now, scrying is a practice that requires a bit of warding. When we open ourselves up so completely to these unseen realms, we never know who might want to interact with us or come through. It can be both amazing and, I'll admit, sometimes a little scary, but the incredible moments I've had with scrying keep me coming back, making it an essential part of my witchy journey. The roots of scrying stretch back through history, with cultures around the world using different mediums. Crystal balls, mirrors, water, flames, you name it. I have a special affinity for black obsidian, which I use as my preferred scrying tool. It was a little backwards how I actually came to use an obsidian mirror for scrying. When I was an art major in college, I took a photography class where we learned about Claude Glass. Claude Glass is a black convex mirror that was used by artists and photographers to reflect landscapes and make tonal values more visible. People would even sit around and just admire the landscape looking into Claude Glass because it has a really beautiful quality to the reflection. My professor had one, which she passed around, and when it got to me and I looked at the room reflected in it, it was like a lightning bolt. I knew this was powerful magic. I knew that I had to get one, and that's how my journey with scrying using an obsidian mirror began. My preferred scrying time is usually during my power hour, right around dawn each morning. And so when I'm going to scry, I take my mirror outside at that early hour of the day, and I go out to the garden, surrounded by my plants and flowers. And after I cast a circle and anoint my third eye with protection oil that I've made, I settle in and I ground myself. If I have anybody that I'm working with, a guide or an entity, I invite them to join me. And then I gaze into the reflection of the mirror, just behind my shoulder, allowing the experience to unfold naturally and my eyes to soften. Sometimes I see shapes and movement, while other times I hear whispers or just sense a presence. It's always different, and I've learned to stay open and embrace the unpredictability of it all. After my scrying session, I immediately jot down everything I saw and experienced. It's much like capturing the essence of a dream before it fades away. 
Mirror scrying isn't the only form of scrying to try out. There's water scrying, where you gaze into still water. You could use a bowl or a pond to receive messages from its fluid energy. And then there's fire scrying, gazing into the dancing flames of a fire and entering a trance-like state to connect with the spirit world. That's pyromancy. Remember, whether you're scrying, practicing tassiography with tea leaves and coffee grounds, or even exploring dream magic, each form of divination requires practice, 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 loads of patience, and a real ability to trust your intuition. It's a deeply personal and spiritual journey, and the messages you receive might be symbolic and require interpretation. The interpretation part of this gets easier and faster with practice. Embrace the possibilities and trust in the process. So there you have it. The quick and dirty of how I scry and a glimpse into a couple other forms of divination. There's an endless realm of possibilities when it comes to this practice, and I'd love to hear what your favorite methods are. I do want to talk about one more thing, which is an important aspect of divination that often gets overlooked and really not discussed as much as perhaps it should, and that's the ethical considerations and dealing with skepticism. So two things. Let's unravel how we can navigate these with grace and wisdom. When it comes to ethics in divination, especially when offering readings to others, integrity and respect are key. As magical practitioners, we need to ensure that we have permission from those seeking guidance and that they are open to receiving the insights we may offer. If you decide to read for others, consider using a separate deck for those readings to avoid any energy transference to your deck that you read from for yourself. Remember, Divination should never be used to manipulate or control others. It's about empowering individuals to make informed decisions and gain deeper understanding of their own path. Encourage people to take an active role in their lives and not become overly reliant on divination for every decision. Same goes for you. Sometimes common sense can guide us without the need for magical tools. Don't allow yourself to become overly dependent upon divination. Confidentiality is also crucial. When people share their thoughts and concerns during readings, treat that information with the utmost respect and privacy. It's really a bit like being a priest or a therapist, and the energy exchange can be intense. So make sure you're in a good place energetically. Cleanse yourself after every session. That's actually why I choose not to do readings. It's just way too much psychic energy that isn't my own, and it takes me a long time to shake it off. Now let's talk about skepticism. It's a constant companion in the world of divination. It's totally natural for people to approach it with doubts, and that's okay. Respect their beliefs, but stay true to your magical journey. When dealing with skeptics, remember, you don't need to prove anything to anyone. Divination is a personal practice, and it connects you with your intuition and the mystical energies of the universe. If someone is curious, invite them to explore it with an open mind, but never force it upon them. We all have our own paths to walk, and some people might genuinely be afraid of communing with spirits or entities, which could be masked as skepticism or even, in some cases, hostility. Let's respect that divination practices aren't for everyone and honor their journey, even some witches. This is not a practice for them. That's okay. If you are up for trying a bit of divination, know that it can be a powerful tool for introspection and self-discovery. It unlocks insights from our subconscious. It taps into wisdom that may be hidden from our conscious minds. Embrace divination as a way to connect with your inner self and the world around you. Ultimately, divination is a journey of self-discovery. It's about growth and connection. Don't be afraid to try new methods and tools as you explore this magical realm. Sitting around the campfire? Give pyromancy a try. 
you never know what insights and wonders may come your way. Remember, I say this every episode, trust your intuition, respect the ethics of divination, stay true to your authentic self. That's it for this episode of the Wind Moon Magic Podcast. Remember, I'll be transitioning to monthly episodes, so I'll be back the first week of September with a new episode. Stay curious, stay magical, and let the winds of divination guide you on your witchy path. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on future episodes. And if you're enjoying the show, I would be incredibly grateful if you could take a moment to rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback means the world to me and helps others discover the show. Remember, if you're hungry for more knowledge and eager to dive deeper into the craft, I invite you to visit my website, windmoonmagic.com. That's magic with a K. There you'll find the show notes for this episode, along with a treasure trove of free resources. Also consider joining me in the inner circle. Inside this membership, you'll gain access to over 22 courses and growing, covering a wide range of topics in modern witchcraft, magic, and herbalism. To stay connected with me and receive updates, inspiration, and glimpses into my journey, follow me on Instagram at windmoonmagic. Remember that's magic with a K and underscores between each word. As we bid farewell for now, I want to express my deepest gratitude to each and every one of you for joining me on this extraordinary adventure. Your support and presence mean the world to me.